Well, happiest of New Year's to all of you. Certainly is fun to start out a new clean year and see where in the world we end up. So I hope this is the best year for all of us and here we'll jump in. I overheard some news broadcast a few days ago about internet searches. Announcer indicated that the number one internet search on January 1 was how to reduce stress, but said the second one was a big surprise to them, and that was number two search, how to make kale chips. Uh, Well, that certainly was surprising. So obviously, a lot of people make some relationship between reducing stress and eating properly. And boy, I'm in favor of eating properly. I think that's a really good idea. But if you think kale chips is going to solve the stress problem, time to think again. (laughs) How do we normally think of stress in the first place? Well, we think of it as we feel disturbed, we feel anxious, there's tension, there's fear. We somehow are generally not getting our way. But to the relationship between stress and food. Many years ago, when I lived in Denver, I received a quite strange phone call one day that told me about a meeting that was going to be happening on the far side of town at a medical doctor's office, and that it's something that I wouldn't want to miss, and what's more, they couldn't tell me over the phone. Sounded like a spy novel, so naturally I thought, well, I can't miss this. Now, I think I had an idea what it might be about I turned out to be wrong, but nevertheless, off I go. So I find the medical building, very nice big office with a great big waiting room, and there were about 35 chairs or so, all people I had never laid eyes on before. I have no idea how they got there. Still don't. So while we were waiting for this to begin, the people who called me weren't there yet. So I asked the young man next to me, do you have any idea what this meeting is about? And he said, I think it's a lecture on nutrition. And I thought, nutrition? I would not have on this particular day driven all the way across town for a lecture on nutrition. I think nutrition is great, but this wouldn't have been at the top of my list. So the fellow comes out. He was an internal medicine fellow. Very nice guy, very compassionate in his demeanor and the looks and his beautiful eyes. A lovely man. And his lecture was excellent, beyond any doubt, the best I've ever heard. So as he's drawing to a close, he said, Now, if you're going to come back for the second part of this meeting, you have to commit not to leave until it's over. So my ears perk up and I think, well, this sounds much more interesting, and I'll tell you about that on another occasion. But at this stage of the game, we'll just stick with our topic for the day. So what he said on returning at the beginning of the second half was, okay, we are here on earth to help one another. And if that's not your goal, if you don't feel that sense of wanting to be in communion with your fellow human being, You can forget all this nutrition stuff. Well, so here is the nutritionist saying, nutrition is not the total answer. It's very nice to eat properly, but this isn't the big problem. So we need to look at several things related to this. 
First of all, we can assume that our plans aren't working well about how to reduce stress, or that would not be the number one question being asked. So let's take a look at what those plans are that we mostly put into service now. The first thing we try to do is to control everything, everyone, every situation, because we operate under the assumption that if I could just make the people be different, if their behavior would change, if I could alter the circumstances, then I would not feel so unsafe. I would feel comfortable. I could breathe a sigh of relief. My tension could disappear and so on and so forth. Well, How well does that work, especially when you consider all people, and that means individually on up to nation states, are all trying to control one another. So we have this big rat's nest of everybody trying to control everybody else who's also trying to control you. Well, of course, that's impossible. Secondly, we decide, all right, if I can't control everything, and this is not a big conscious conversation we have, this is just what we as human beings do, we just refuse to feel, which is where our addictions and distractions come in. Now, people say this often, but it has to be repeated because it's so relevant here, and that is, if you wonder if this is true or not, just imagine what it would be like if for a week you had no electronic devices or telephones or your relationship dramas ceased for the moment and you were without your drugs, alcohol, sex, extra food, spectator sports, and so on, and you just had you to be with. Most people would scream at the idea and say, but I like all those things. Well, of course you like all those things. The question is, do I do those in moderation Or do I do those to avoid feeling how I feel, which is what we do? So this idea of feeling what we feel has gotten a tremendous amount of bad press. Like having disturbing feelings means I'm bad, I'm weak, there's something the matter with me. We've been taught to be afraid of how we feel as if it proves that we're no good, or if we feel them, we will be overwhelmed with them forever, and so on and so forth. So now what I've got are two plans that don't work, a notion about my feeling state, which is incorrect. Well, no wonder we have difficulty being at rest and at peace. What the real culprit is, is our incorrect thinking, believing, our foundational fundamental premises are in error. Notice, I did not say they're wrong or evil or criminal. I said they're just inaccurate, unhelpful, incorrect. So those are our real problems because the way I feel is intimately and seamlessly bound up with what I think and believe. What I think and believe is driving this bus. That's what I need to look at. A Course in Miracles makes a statement, as do other practices that can be truly helpful because they're about helping you change your mind about yourself and the world and your relationship to it. And in this case, it says this in the text, I am responsible 
for what I see. I choose the feelings I experience and I decide upon the goal I would achieve and everything that seems to happen to me, I ask for and receive as I have asked. That's a very unequivocal statement. It doesn't say I am responsible part of the time and I am a victim of something or someone else the other part of the time. It says I'm always responsible for my experience because only I am responsible for what I think and believe and promote in my life. So if I'm concerned about what I am feeding into my mouth, so to speak, what I need to be much more concerned about is what I'm feeding into that constant stream of my attention. What am I thinking? What am I believing? What am I paying attention to? So to bring closure to our first little thought related to this, and there will be others, I need to feed myself a new diet of my sense of self, what I believe to be true about myself. And you can enjoy your kale chips along the way. Just remember, my thinking diet is what really matters. So do take care of yourself and your thoughts and your beliefs and your notions as you begin this new year. And I hope this is a marvelous time for all of us and lots more to talk about before this year is over. Bye.